What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So Abraham followed God. He stepped out in faith and said, I'm going to follow this God named Yahweh, and I'm going to trust in his promises to me that he made promises of land, promises of seed, promises of a future, and promises that he will be a blessing. He's going to be so blessed that he'll be a blessing. So Abraham, with his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot, they set out and they left the city of Ur and they went up north to this area called Haran, H-A-R-A-N, and they stayed there for a little bit. And it says there in Genesis chapter 12 that right there he was starting to be a blessing because he began to gather souls, other people who were going to follow him in this worship of this God named Yahweh. And so he stayed in Haran for a little bit and then he went over the Fertile Crescent, an area that's green and lush and it's got places for your camels and your goats to eat. South of it is nothing but desert. He followed this Fertile Crescent. I wonder if he kept thinking the whole time, where is God leading me? Well, eventually in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, finally, God says, stop. This is it, Abraham. This is it. It says in verse 7 that the Lord appeared to Abraham right here. What we would call Israel today at the time, in verse 6, the Canaanites were in the land. Right here in this Canaanite land, far away from home, God says, stop, Abraham. This is it. To your offspring, it says in verse 7, I will give this land right here. This is it. And so Abraham built an altar and he worshiped God and he worshiped his name and he thanked him for this land. And then he kept pushing a little bit south and God said, hey, this is more of your land. And it says there in verse eight that he came to a place east of a city called Bethel. And there he began to call upon the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Now you got to remember that other tribes lived there. And those other tribes worshipped other little g-gods. They did not worship the one true God, but Abraham did. And in many ways, this was like a god invading their territory, and they could do nothing about it. And here Yahweh comes leading this man who's following him. And step by step, as they move through the land south, they begin to leave the footprints of Yahweh. This is my land. This is my territory. This is my people. And there, just east of Bethel, it says, he called upon the name of Yahweh. And that was an amazing moment. And I can imagine Abraham stood there with his wife, Sarai, just excited about what Yahweh was doing in their life. But people were there, so he sort of had to move south to get his own land. 
Well, we don't know exactly how long he stayed there until verse 10 shows up. Because in verse 10, something bad is there. I can imagine Abraham wakes up one day, gets out of his tent, and oh, looks around, and his goats, his sheep, the cows, are, they're hungry, and the camels don't look happy. And he looks down, and he sees the grass is withered and dead, and Abraham's like, this is my second or third year and this famine it's nothing's growing it's just hot there's no rain everything's dying my animals aren't doing well what in the world are you doing god you said i will lead you will you trust my promises abraham will you follow me and abraham said yes and i wonder if abraham's thinking you brought me all this way here to do what die because look, there's famine in the land. What am I going to do? This makes absolutely no sense. And I want to encourage you. Sometimes when you say, I'm going to follow God. And I'm going to do what's right. And I'm going to give up some of those friends who drag me down. Because it's not right. And they're encouraging me to do bad things. Or, or I'm going to start having my devotions every day. Or I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to start leaving sinful habits behind. And when you do, doesn't mean everything's going to go right. It doesn't mean all of a sudden your life is going to be perfect. And here we have with Abraham an exact example of that. He followed God. He left everything. And in response, he's in the middle of a famine. Even when following God, bad times still come. It doesn't mean that you're immune to bad times, but you've got a peace that passes all understanding. You know you're in the center of God's will. And that can be so encouraging so Abraham was like, what am I going to do? God has brought me to this, my promised land. But I'm starving and my animals are starving and I'm losing everything. What do I do? And so Abraham says, I got to go where there's food. I've got to go where I can feed my animals. Now, there's some people who think, hey, this is where Abraham showed a lack of faith. Now, I don't buy into that. I think Abraham was essentially saying, I'm stuck. What does God want me to do? He hasn't particularly said, stay here. He said, this is your land, but I'm going to have to go where there's food. And I don't blame Abraham for saying, I'm going to take my family, my livestock, and we're going to stay for a little bit where there's food. And the only place there was food at that time where they could eat was south of the promised land in a country called Egypt. And so it says there in verse 10 that Abraham left the promised land, and he went to Egypt to sojourn there, not to stay there, but just to get food so his animals could eat. Because this famine, it says in verse 10, was severe. So Abraham said, all right, Sarai, let's saddle up. And so they pulled up their tents, and they started to go south into Egypt. Now, you got to remember, who are the people that this book was written for. The book called Genesis was written by Moses for the people of Israel as they were about to go back into the promised land. Their forefather Abraham was in Egypt and to see the adventure that's about to take place and to see how God protected his patriarch, his person, the promises he made to him, that would be a great encouragement to the reader about to go back into the promised land. 
Now, some people give Abraham a hard time here for leaving the promised land. They say, you know what? God brought you here by faith. You should stay. Well, the problem was Abraham had no food. There was no way to feed his animals. And it seems like God wasn't sovereignly saying, stay here. I think Abraham just did the wisest thing he could do, which was to take care of his family, to take care of his livestock. And the place that had the best food and the most abundant crops at this time was way south in this other country called Egypt. So Abraham says, all right, we're going to have to head south. We got to get away from all this horrible famine. I've got to help my family survive. And God hasn't said specifically stay here. And he's given me a brain and I've got to use it. So let's go. And so he plucks up stakes, takes his family with him and headed south into the country called Egypt. And I can imagine Abraham as he's heading south and he begin to see the border maybe show up. And as he gets closer, he begins to see the Egyptian men. Because in Egypt, the men were completely shaved of all hair. And they didn't have beards. While the Hebrew men, or the Semitics, they were known to have big beards. And they loved that big beard look and lots of hair. And so I wonder if as as Abraham got closer and he began to look at the Egyptians and they began to look different and... He saw some of the great buildings and some of the great works there in Egypt because it seems like the Egyptian civilization was advanced. And there's Abraham riding on a camel, enjoying the beautiful morning. And he's thinking, my wife's beautiful. He's looking at her. My wife is beautiful because it says in Genesis chapter 12 that Sarai was a woman beautiful in appearance. Quite simply, biblically, what it's saying is Sarai was a babe. But then he thinks, I could get killed for her. Because ancient Near Eastern law was that if you were a stranger, a sojourner in somebody else's land, that somebody could kill you and take your wife. He even says that in verse 12. He says, they will kill me, but they'll let you live. And he's thinking, man, my wife's beauty is working against me. Somebody sees how beautiful she is. Maybe if I wrap her up really close so only her eyes show and nobody else will see her, but eventually, no, that won't work. What am I going to do? I could get killed for my beautiful wife. And as they get nearer and nearer to the border, you know, he looks at Sarah, I imagine, and Sarah looks at him, and they love each other. What are we going to do? See, this is where Abraham does not act in faith. Because instead of trusting in God, based on those promises, and now as he nears the border of Egypt, he starts to get nervous about those promises. Is that true? So he begins to look at himself and he's like, all right, you know what? We're going to lie. This is what we're going to do, Sarai. I'm going to tell people that you're my sister, that we're not married at all. Because that was sort of true. It's interesting that Abram and Sarai had the same dad named Terah. But they had different moms because Terah had multiple wives. And he had one wife. And with that wife, he had Abram. And then with another wife, he had Sarai. And then later on, Abraham and Sarai got married, and they were, in truth, half brother and half sister to each other. So it wasn't really a lie, was it? It was sort of a half truth. 
See, the problem, kids, is when we start to lie, we like to think of ways to justify it. You know, we talk ourselves into the truth. Well, Abraham's also thinking, you know what? If I say that she's my sister, and then if somebody comes along and does fall in love with her and wants to marry her, notice what it says in verse 13. I'm going to say you're my sister so that it may go well with me because of you. Because you know what he's thinking? Back then, if they found out that she was part of your family, well, back then, if you wanted to marry somebody's sister, you had to give that family lots of stuff. The official term for that is called a dowry. You had to give them money. You had to give them cattle. You had to give them lots of things for your beautiful daughter, or in his case, your beautiful sister. So Abraham's thinking, this could work in my favor. Number one, I won't get killed if I say she's my sister. And number two... I could get lots and lots of stuff. I could get a big dowry. But you know what? Abraham's also thinking, I can reject any dowry because I am rich and I've got money and nobody can outgive me. In fact, when somebody gives me a pittance little dowry here, I'll give you a goat for beautiful Sarai. I can say, dude, I got goats a gazillion. I got camels everywhere, you know. I reject your dowry. And so he can keep on rejecting it and rejecting it. And so in that sense, it'll go well with me that I won't get killed and I can get rejected and keep rejecting it. Maybe he's thinking that, but either way, this is a great strategy and he's not really lying, you know? So it says that they come into Egypt in verse 14 when they enter Egypt. That I can imagine the guards looked at him. All right. Yep. Who are you guys? Hey, we're Semites. They weren't known as Hebrews yet, but we're Semitic people from up north there in Canaan. And we're coming into Egypt because of the famine. We got to eat. My animals have to eat. And they're like, all right, come on through. And as they looked up and saw Abraham, they saw, whoa, there's Sarai. Huh? What's her name? Oh, that's Sarai. Wow. She's beautiful. Is she your wife? No, 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 no. This is my sister. She's my sister. Oh, Okay, and as they go through the land, I can imagine the royal officials began to notice this beautiful woman. They began to talk amongst themselves, and they said, we got to tell our boss, because if we tell the Pharaoh, he'll be pleased with us, and he would love to add a beautiful woman like Sarai to his harem. Let's go tell the Pharaoh. And so they went and told him, and it says there in verse 15 that they praised Sarai's beauty to the Pharaoh. I can imagine as they're standing around, letting their camels drink something and letting their animals get some food and they're deciding where they should settle for a little bit. When somebody comes up, knocks on his tent's door and says, hey, I've got a message from someone. And Abraham's like, all right, what is it? Well, we would like to give a dowry for your sister. Oh, okay. And Abraham's thinking, I've got this. Don't worry. No way. This person's got more money than me. And Abraham's like, all right, who's it from? And the messenger says, the Pharaoh himself, he would love to marry your sister. And he will give you lots of stuff for the right to marry her. And Abraham's thinking, oh, wait. Ha Whoa. Uh-oh. No, his plan backfired. No, wait, I'm not going to die. But I can't outgive the Pharaoh. 
He met somebody with even deeper pockets than him. He met somebody who's got more money, more goats, more camels, more of everything. He can't outgive the Pharaoh. He couldn't do anything about it. And it says there in verse 16 that the Pharaoh gave Abraham sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. And the idea here is he gave Abraham lots and lots of stuff. Because of Sarai, Abraham became very wealthy. In some way, his lie worked, but his lie also didn't work because he loved his wife, Sarai. And I can imagine when finally the Egyptians came to take her and he had to say goodbye to her. I wonder what he felt in his heart. Was he thinking, oh no, I love my wife. I don't want to lose her. Through Sarai are going to come the promises of God. God said, I'm going to make you a great seed. And later on, he passes that seed through Sarai. God's intention all along was to have Abraham and Sarah to produce an offspring, to produce his promises. And the promise of God was dependent on Sarai. And I wonder if Abraham went home back to his tent, just crushed. He just destroyed the promises of God. Now, I think it's interesting that the original audience of the book of Genesis were the people of Israel who are about to go back into the promised land and their ancestors years earlier had come out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and they had been brought out through plagues being put on the Egyptians and God had protected his people and kept his promise and I think it's interesting, it would have been encouraging for the people of that time when they're about to go back into the promised land to look at what happens here and to see how God protects his people. I think that would have been great encouragement because here it looks like everything's about to fall apart. It looks like God's great promise is about to fail. And you know why it's going to fail? It's because Abraham didn't trust God. Abraham got into trouble. Abraham lied. Guess what? There is no such thing as a half-truth. There is no such thing as a half-lie. You either tell the truth or you don't. And it was obvious that Abraham did not tell the truth. Yes, Sarai is his half-sister, but he concealed the real truth, totally lied to the Pharaoh. And his lie, yes, brought him wealth, but it also threatened to destroy the future and the promises of God. Kids, I want to encourage you that lying is bad and that lying never works. Because ultimately, when you lie, you're ultimately saying that God's not in control. How do you know God's not going to use you telling the truth in wondrous ways that you can't even understand? Lying is more about yourself. You know, when you lie to your parents, I'm telling you, that's one of the worst things you can do. Because that says there, it's a heart that's rebellious. It says, I'm going to trust in me. I'm not going to trust the authority God placed over me. I'm not going to believe the authority that God placed over me. No, I'm going to trust in me. The other problem is it hurts other people. It puts Sarah 
at a horrible position. It put Sarah in a horrible position. It put Sarah in a horrible way. What's going to happen? Abraham selfishly lied to protect himself. I don't want to get killed, so I'm going to lie. Guess what? You put your wife in a horrible position where you could be separated from her forever, the love of your life. So Abraham probably goes back to his tent, just crushed, maybe crying. I don't know. Well, he wakes up the next day. He still probably wonders about her. Maybe he paces back and forth. And we don't know exactly how long it took. But eventually, I can imagine, maybe a couple days later, maybe a week, I'm not certain. But all of a sudden, I can imagine Abraham sees this cloud of dust in the in the distance. And all of a sudden, this, this whole troop of soldiers come running back. And in the middle of it all is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh maybe gets out of his chariot. And there's Sarai. There's Sarai, beautiful Sarai. And he grabs her and he throws her towards Abraham and says, hey, you take her. You take her. And Abraham's like, what? What, what, What's wrong? I, I, I don't understand what the problem is. And then Pharaoh says, listen, ever since I have had Sarai in my harem, My house, my people have been afflicted, as it says there in verse 17, with great plagues. Again, imagine the people who are reading this book and they remember their ancestors who came out of Egypt. And why were they kicked out of Egypt? Because God sent great plagues against the Egyptians to protect Moses and his people. Well, here, hundreds of years earlier... God also protected Abraham, made sure that his promise was going to be fulfilled. How? Through plagues. And what a great encouragement as they're about to go take back the land. If God protected his people in the past, he can protect them now. And Pharaoh says, you know what? You take back Sarai because my family has had plague after plague. And it doesn't say specifically what plagues they were. Maybe they were sores on their body. Maybe they were frogs and all their food as some of the plagues that they later on experienced in Egypt. We don't exactly know, but it says that Pharaoh was afflicted. This was personal suffering. This was bad. This Pharaoh was very, very much afflicted by these plagues. And these were plagues that in some way he could trace it all the way back to Sarai. And he probably had a harem full of hundreds of women. But the way these plagues occurred, he knew it's that Semitic woman, Sarai. It's that woman that was brought into my harem. God protected her. And he was like, you know what? I am not going to let Sarai get in trouble. I'm not going to let Sarah get abused by the Pharaoh. I'm not going to let my promises go unfulfilled. I am Yahweh. I will fulfill my promises. And look at verse 18. He says to Abraham, and I can imagine he comes up to his face and he goes, what is this you have done to me? And then the Pharaoh says, why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why'd you say she's my sister? See, again, 
Lying hurts other people. The Pharaoh thought Sarah's beautiful. I'd like her for my wife. And he genuinely gave Abraham all this gifts and dowry and money. But Abraham, he was lying and his lies brought judgment of God upon the Pharaoh. Maybe Sarai said, hey, I'm actually his wife. This is why these plagues are here. And when the Pharaoh found that out, he went back and he said, there, you take her. Is verse 19. Now, here's your wife. You take her. And then he says, and then you go. So Abraham and Sarai, they had to gather up all their stuff. I mean, they were supposed to sojourn in the land to eat and to take care of things. And we don't know exactly how long they were there. But however long they were there for, Abraham, at the end of it, was embarrassed. It was an absolute shame. Notice it says in verse 20, And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. Basically, they sent him away with his wife. And he said, you know what? Basically, you keep all that stuff I gave you. You can keep all those servants. You can keep all those animals. I just want you out of here. And I can imagine that Abraham and Sarai began to move back out. And I wonder if Sarai didn't talk to Abraham for a little bit because she must have been pretty ticked. I can't believe you threw me under the bus like that. I can't believe your lie, which was supposed to help you, ended up hurting me. You know what? You sleep in your own tent tonight. I'm going to sleep over here because it's going to take you a while to get back in my good graces. I wonder if Sarai felt that. But as Abraham and Sarai are coming back, can you imagine the guards looking at them, shaking their heads? Who are these people? He gave a bad name to the Semitic people for years to come in Egypt. Abraham's known as a liar, and he's leaving, and he's complete and absolute failure. But you know what, kids? The other problem is, it seems like here is when Abraham also got a female servant named Hagar. Now hang on to that name because Hagar is an Egyptian slave that was given to him by the Pharaoh so he could have his wife Sarai. And later on, this woman named Hagar is going to cause him a lot of problems. So it looks like things are going great. He got his wife back. And he got to leave with lots of cattle and lots of money and lots of other things. He was now a much more wealthier man than he entered. But in the middle of all that wealth was a woman named Hagar who was going to cause him a lot of problems. And that's the other reason not to lie. The consequences can be very painful. And the consequences of lying can last for years. It's better to tell the truth and trust in God and trust in his promises that, hey, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll take care of you. I'll be a blessing to you. I'll be all you need rather than trust in yourself and then sin and lying and then you get stuck with consequences. If you continually lie, you become known as a liar. The Bible talks about even a child is known by his doings. Are you the type of kid where people are like, well, I can. I don't know if you're telling me the truth. You can't trust Steve. You can't trust Rachel can't trust Reuben. I don't know. He continually lies. Or are you a kid that when they say, when I look at Steve, he tells the truth. 
He's a boy or man of his word. Well, Abraham, he left Egypt in shame. He left Egypt in absolute embarrassment. But you know what I think is interesting? In chapter 13, he comes back and he comes back to a place called Bethel. Notice in verse 3, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. See, Abram failed. Abram absolutely let down his God. Abram totally sinned. He fell flat on his face. But you know what? The one thing Abraham did that was right in all this, he came back to God. He didn't allow his sin to push him further and further away. Because sometimes when you sin, you think, I can't follow God. I'm too dirty. I'm too filthy. I'm too sinful. You can't believe how badly I messed up. There is no way I could follow God. Well, here, you've just embarrassed yourself in front of a whole nation. You can't fall much further than Abraham did here. But instead of having that push him away from Yahweh, he said, I'm going to use my failure to come back to God. And not only that, you know what I think is interesting? He comes back to Bethel. And remember, Bethel is where he called upon the name of the Lord for one of the first times. And sometimes I think when we sin, we need to go all the way back to where we met God first. Because that's what Abraham does. He goes all the way back to where he first encountered God in a beautiful, wonderful way here in the new land. And he's back in Canaan. He goes, you know what? I need to go back to Bethel. I need to go back to that altar where I called upon the name of the Lord for one of the first times because I want to call upon him again. And I want him to know that I am sorry and that I renew my faith in him. And there he began to call upon the name of the Lord again. And so I want to encourage you kids. I want to encourage you adults. Don't let your sin push you from God. Instead, when you sin, run to God. Run right back to where you first met him. Get down on your knees and pray and say, Lord, I want to follow you again. I recommit my life to being being loyal to you, to following Yahweh to following your son, Jesus. So Abraham did. Kids, I just want to encourage you. If you haven't asked the Lord as your savior, to be your savior, today's the day to do it. And when you do that, man, you'll enter in a new life and a new relationship with God Almighty. And some of you kids who are saved and some of you adults who are saved, I want to encourage you, start living for the Lord. Start putting your your trust in the promises of God. And when you fail, don't run away from God, but come back to him and say, you know what? I'm going to make my sin. I'm going to allow my sin to push me closer to God, not further away. And finally, kids, when you are given a choice to lie or tell the truth, it's simple. Adults, when you're given a choice between lying and telling the truth, this is simple. Do not lie. Because when you lie, 
You're being selfish. You're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your own devices. You're trusting in your own ability to, to get out of things. Do not lie, but instead tell the truth. Why? Because God wants his people to be truth tellers. And God wants his people to trust him, even if telling the truth might hurt, might cost you something. Tell the truth. Why? Because we trust in the promises of God and we trust in mighty Yahweh, who's far better in charge to take care of his people and sovereignly work in all things for our good. Bald Head Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Bald Head Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week. 